0: Hello and welcome to Everyday Thriving for Women, a weekly podcast for busy, professional women who want to thrive, rise and lead. We're your hosts, Mabatungambule.
1: And I'm Caroline Hopkins. We're two career-loving mothers ourselves, passionate about supporting women to be their best. Each week, we're going to be chatting about what is challenging us or the women we're working with. And we're going to be providing practical tools, tips and techniques to
0: help you cope and even thrive. This podcast is sponsored by Zebra Blue Women's Leadership Services and Tsukudu Consulting.
1: and listeners welcome to episode eight of everyday thriving for women Mabatu, can you believe this is our last episode of the original series we committed to doing eight it's the last episode for 2020
0: i I, you know i said to you as we were prepping for for this one i was so emotional (laughs) as we were kind of going through what we'd be talking about and and I still feel it, right? Mm. It's it's a bittersweet emotion. Sweet because look at us, you know, just look at us, right? Firstly, this was just a little idea and then it grew into something else and now we've made it happen. But to know that this is the end or at least the end of this series, sure, yeah. right? Yeah, Ooh. It's kind of heavy, but I am... Um, My heart is full. Yeah. Let me put it that way. My heart is full and I'm hoping and I know you and I are already thinking about what might be, and we'll talk about that later, but what a joy it has been to be on on this ride Mm, together, right? Absolutely. And
1: we ended last episode, one of the things we talked about was women powering together and we have definitely powered together. Without a doubt. Without
0: Without a doubt. doubt.
1: So in this episode, we will be diving into one of my absolute favorite topics, and it is cultivating confidence. Um, We'll be chatting about what it is, how to get more of it, and how we think about confidence in a way that actually might be getting in our way of getting more
0: of it. But first... you want to lead us in our breath, in our breath practice? Yes, let's do that. And I think how wonderfully appropriate, especially in this episode, right? Because for me, confidence is about feeling centered. Mm. It is about feeling present and in the moment to deal with whatever I need to deal with. So so let's do that, right? Let's let's take that deep breath in, that beautiful inhaling, right? and we release, yeah. right? Let go, yeah. let go, let's be in the moment and let's focus on what is coming up for us today. So last week, as you said, we spoke about empowerment. We spoke about, I suppose, power and you know the possibility of redefining for ourselves what power means, what it, and I loved how you put it uh, because for me, there's something sensory about your definition. Mm-hmm. It's not just a concept. Power walks a certain way. It looks a certain way. So I feel like you can touch it. Mm. It sounds a certain way so you can hear it. Perhaps you could even smell power, mm. right? In in some ways. So it is, it is a sensory uh, experience. So today we're talking about confidence because where we left off the last time, we said, you know, confidence is critical when it comes to showing up. Uh, with power when it comes to really taking up space, as it were. And so it just for us, I think, and and for you especially, I know, became a natural progression to move from just talking about the idea of women empowerment to saying, can we get specific about what women can do to really shine through, to really show up in, in their power? And as you say, to cultivate more confidence in, in who they are, in how they show up in the world. But before I get into sort of my understanding and my take on what confidence really means for me or how I've seen it expressed in, in different spaces, can we just start, Caroline, with what you are hearing, you know, from clients when when they talk about confidence or maybe even a lack of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's usually a lack of it. Um, So many of my clients. And interestingly enough, I just recently facilitated um, one of Zebra Blue's personal mastery courses, which Mm -hmm. happens to be men and women. Right. Right. And I I always ask participants to say what they specifically want to focus in on for to shift Mm -hmm. in in the process of the course. You wouldn't believe about half the participants identified not having the confidence to speak up and share their ideas and opinions at work. Is this half including men? Including men, actually, wow. too. Yeah, it's more women are saying that, and I hear it over and over again from women, is one of the things that they recognize that's holding them back. Yeah. They actually don't speak up. They mm-hmm. don't share their ideas, and they don't share their opinions. And so, so... And it's, you know, it's really not only a problem for those individuals and their contribution and their career progression, but really it's a problem for the organization because they're missing out Mm. on so many valuable ideas and perspectives. So it's something I think that really um, is valuable to Mm. focus on in in our work. So do you hear similar things about not
0: speaking up or what are you hearing from your clients? Absolutely. Uh, You know, it's... (laughs) It's a little crazy for me sometimes when I I work with clients and and specifically women and I see them, right? I hear them and I think, look at these incredible women. And then when they start speaking, when they start expressing some of the experiences, you go, why are they full of so much self-doubt, right? So I'll give you a, a, a tiny example, but for me, it was really significant. So there we are. I'm working on, you know, a a women's program, talking about um, how they change their narratives. We're talking about, you know, how do you shatter the old stories that other people wrote for and about you and really craft you know take up the pen and craft your your new story your own narrative um, of who you are in the world of what you represent and what you believe in and so you you know me I love injecting a bit of fun and color into mm-hmm. the work that yeah. I do yeah so I, I said to the woman and I brought tons of, of material and I said I want each of you to create a piece of art, right? Small little artwork, but that is really going to be your representation of a time. And I was very specific about this. I said, put something together in a three-dimensional format because I wanted it to be textured, to be to indicate their own uh, being as multidimensional human beings, right? And I said, think of a time when you felt your most powerful and of course people struggle a little bit with this now go it doesn't matter where it was right because you don't only show up at work it could be at home with your family with your friends it doesn't just a moment in time when you felt your most powerful and so they start working and I cannot tell you the the beauty the, the just the, the most incredible work, artwork that emerges out of this, right? And so afterwards, I say to the women, um, one by one, tell us your story through the work that you you have crafted. This is you taking up the pen and, and recreating and reimagining your own story. Caroline, I cannot describe to you my, and this is me perhaps being a little dramatic. <laughs> My sorrow, right? So I I look at these beautiful works, and one by one, these women get up. And the first few kind of very excitedly stand up and say, This is my work, and you know, here's what it means, and then the next one. And and actually now I'm only thinking about it now. I, I just wonder that for the third, fourth, fifth, and so on, you know, as as the we we kind of went in sequence, if those women looked at the work of their colleagues and started shrinking a little Mm. bit because the sentence the opener to them sharing their story was I'm not really good at art but hey here's my little that's shrinking Mm. right and I thought only one person perhaps felt like that and it then became an echo and then the next woman stood up and said pretty much the same thing you know I'm not the most creative person but I just uh yeah, right. I think
1: that story speaks so much to what we talked about in, in episode seven, that how we get conditioned to play it small, nice. right? Don't be too big, don't brag, don't be too big for your britches. And that's that conditioning
0: Yeah, just yeah. showing through, right? It, yeah. it is absolutely that conditioning. And and very quickly, I'll give you another example. And, and maybe as we move along in our conversation, I may tell you even a bit more about it. So many years ago, I worked for, for a tech company, um, diverse in its composition in terms of of gender and and race. But I would hear very often from my younger colleagues, um, black colleagues specifically saying, you know, we're working so hard. We have, um, you know, what we believe are great ideas, but nobody's listening. We're certainly not getting the promotions we, des- we we believe we deserve because we're working just as hard as our colleagues in, you know, of other races, perhaps even more. And so I I dug a little bit and I I initiated at this company a group mentorship program. We had, um, we did a pilot. So I think we had about eight or nine participants, if if I remember correctly, because I really wanted to know, here we are in a company that says, you know, we believe in meritocracy, we promote people on the basis of merit, of what they bring, of what they contribute. We don't see color. We don't see race. Mm-hmm. We don't see gender. Yeah, I, I love that you're laughing because uh, as I discovered later, I thought, yeah, yeah, maybe that, that also way. needs to be confronted. But in any way, yeah, for me, that's I went... another to- episode. We'll <laughs> that's a whole other episode. That's nine a, nine a whole together, other right. episode. But I just thought, let's work with what we have. And as I dug and dug, I firstly confirmed what I already knew that my colleagues were smart they were talented no doubt about that but what I did uncover was that confidence was at play or a lack of it Mm. right I will tell you of one woman uh, one young woman and and I keep pressing on the fact that they were young because if I look at this country when we come from there are people you look at in terms of age and you go you were probably not as, as scathed by apartheid and as horrible policies as perhaps someone older like myself and of course people who are even generations before me. But there was a young black, beautiful, talented woman who suddenly in one of our conversations in the group said, you know, I realized that even if I want to take advantage of an opportunity, I want to go for that promotion. I want to apply for that position. Unless a white person goes before me, right, Mm. or even tries anything uh, before me, unless they go first, I feel as if I have no right to Mm. go. Wow, that's deep. deep. That that hit me, right? That hit me. And um, so we we worked through the program. And I'll tell you by the end of it, what had changed, because like I said, they were talented. They were, you know, each of them uh, brought that they were highly educated. And so what really shifted was how they saw themselves well it was literally them taking their power um i don't know if it's fortunately or unfortunately most of them left Mm. (laughs) they left the company because suddenly they went you mean i could be something much much more than this this is just not the place um some of them were promoted because they had the courage suddenly to go, I will apply for that next level mm, of whatever yeah. the position is. Right. So I could go on and on about this particular example, because it was a project that I held very, very closely to, to my heart. Now I know, see that you have a definition, a very useful one at that, that really helps us to know where to look to cultivate confidence, confidence, can you just share that with us please
1: yes and and just uh before I get to that just a comment on this you know amazing mentoring program that you conceived of put together and ran it it just was reminding me of some of also what we talked about in the last episode of some of what the unlearning that needs to be done you know what you were talking about these young these young black people who the unlearning the
0: messages they had been taught about who they were right and you're so, not capable yeah. you're not you know you don't fit in here, this is not for you. Uh, Totally. A lot of unlearning had to happen. So
1: I loved how you said what really happened is they saw themselves as they are, as they truly are. Um, So yes, so the definition that um, I like to use and, and, you know, I I, I had said in the opening to this, we were going to look at how sometimes how we think about confidence actually gets in our way because often we think about it this incredibly vague, fuzzy Mm. way and we apply it to a lot of things that aren't really actually about confidence they are about other things, but we just use it. And when we use it in such a vague, fuzzy way, um, it makes it very hard Mm. to cultivate it, to Mm. get more of it. So the definition I use is, confidence is the inner resources Mm -hmm. and mindsets that allow you to turn your thoughts into action. Oh, you got to say that again. Yeah, I'll say it again. <laughs> so confidence is the inner resources, and by that I mean it's a, it's a, it's a collection of self-belief, accurate self-perception, self-trust, and mindsets, like right. a mindset around failure, things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole, whole collection of those that allow you to turn your thoughts into action. Love that. And I, for me, I find this definition really useful when I'm working with women to to cultivate it because, number one, it is this idea that it breaks confidence down. It's not just you either are confident or you aren't aren't confident. Mm-hmm. It, there's a there's a whole series of as I've spoken about these inner resources that. So we might have one of those inner resources quite developed, but we need to develop another one to and the collection of those really increases our confidence. Okay. So the other reason I find it, find it useful is because of that part turning thoughts into action. And so that's that idea of sitting in a meeting, I have this thought, but the action would be saying it out loud and mm, I don't do it. So mm. what we can look at is, okay, what got in the way? Yes, And then we can hone in and target what needs to be unlearned, what needs to be unconditioned, what needs to be let go of and what needs to be put in that place instead. So it's, a, it's useful in that it's, it, it's an actionable
0: definition to cultivate more of it. So so, so see, yeah. if I'm hearing you correctly, yeah. it, it sounds to me like uh, very similar to something we spoke about in a previous episode, right? It's, it's recognizing what's happening in the moment, but more than that, it's interrupting your thinking. Is, is that what it is? That would be
1: definitely a piece of okay, it. It okay. is it's it's examining the thinking. So let me give you from my own experience. The, so, it used to be that I also would sit in meetings, and particularly for me, it would be large meetings and mm-hmm. it would be meetings. So, even at a conference or a big lecture, and so a lot of people. And when I perceived that there were people with a lot of experience, expertise, and power in mm. the group, and um, so the conversation would be happening, and something would pop into my head that I wanted to contribute, that I, an idea I wanted to add, and then I'd go into all this inner dialogue. Wow. What if what I? I say sounds stupid? What if people don't agree? What are they sure. going to think of me? And so all this is going on in my head. Meanwhile, nobody is stopping the conversation for me to collect myself and put myself together, <laughs> right? right? And, yes. and formulate exactly perfectly what I want to say. So by the time, if I got to it, saying, okay, this is what I'm going to say, and this is how I'm going to say it. Oh, no, the conversation's moved on. Yeah, The time has passed for me to say that thing. And worse, is when somebody then says what I was going to oh, say. Oh, Lord, that's right? the worst, right? That's the worst. And doubly <laughs> worse is when they, then other people are like, oh, we hadn't thought of it that way. What, well, a, what, brilliant. what a brilliant
0: idea. And I'm like, ah, damn. Like, And sadly, this? there's nothing you can do about no, it, right? right? Because you can't say somebody stole your idea. You didn't say it. Yeah, you were so time busy time listening and to and your inner it. saboteur yeah, that yeah. you missed your opportunity. And that's exactly the word I was going to use. It's the
1: sabotage, right? And so we can really, it's that inner dialogue. Mm-hmm. all the stuff that comes up that we can slow that down look at it see what is in there and I'll talk about more about that just now but what um, what about you what either for yourself or in your clients what what do you see comes up that that in that gets in the way of us taking action on our thoughts
0: so I I smiled when you gave the example of you know sitting in in a room, you know, with, with a, a large sort of meeting happening and you looking around and thinking, oh my gosh, everybody knows more. Who am I? Like, you know, that, that voice that says, let alone me, right. <laughs> right? Because I, I also have that, that inner saboteur and I'll give you, <laughs> you know, I can laugh about it now, but I'll give you one, one very real example in, in my own life, which is actually not, which is a, a relatively recent example. So you know that um, you know I had the uh, the privilege and mm-hmm. the good fortune of going to to Harvard uh, Business School. Mm-hmm. I was awarded uh, a scholarship, and even with that scholarship, I remember when I got it, I thought, "I bet you only like three people applied for this, so they had no <laughs> choice but to kind of make me one of the recipients." Oh my right, God, the things we do to ourselves. Right. I, look, I don't <laughs> really know uh, exactly the number of people, but I remember when I went for. Uh, what would have been my last interview, it was a panel interview and I had to wait for, and now the story is coming back and I had to wait for the shuttle to pick me up, to take me to the venue. I, I kind of said to to the lady at the hotel where I had to wait, like, so have you, have you kind of like very sneakily, have you been just so like, yeah, you know, there's there's probably been about 30, maybe 40 people, you know, <laughs> but all along I'd said, you know, I and even after I knew that fact, I still thought, She made a mistake. I'm sure there were only three people. And I was just kind of like, you know, we might as well give it to her, which was, you know, which was far from the truth. But let me give you an actual example once I got to Harvard, right? So there we are in this um, auditorium. We're having a lecture on, uh, on economics, right? And of course, I didn't have a background. I I know the very basics of how the economy works. So I'm not completely blank, but I would not, of course, call myself an economist. And it didn't help that the people we were sitting with in the room. So firstly, I've I've got jitters really about the fact that I I need to pinch myself a gazillion times that I am at Harvard. Like this is one, if not, you know, for many years has, has been the best Um, university Mm. in the entire world and how did little old me get here Mm. somebody's gonna know that i should not be here but i'm sitting in this economics class and i'm surrounded by a sea of just amazing people right these these people that i now call my colleagues whom i didn't really feel like i was a colleague of theirs they are you know ceo of this and the chief something of that and the senior VP of, and they work for these gigantic organizations. And I come, of course, from a a fairly small company myself. I, I, you know, I'm of course in leadership and management at at that stage, which is why I was allowed also into this program, but I, I felt small. So anyway... The the beautiful thing, of course, in these classes is you don't just have, you know, the professor standing there talking. It's very interactive. They ask you a lot of questions. You work through a bunch of case studies. And part of me as a learner is that I am quite participative. I I have never so so it's funny. On the one hand, I do have that saboteur that goes, "Do you know enough? Mm-hmm. Maybe you shouldn't." But I also have the the child like me who still says, "Me, me, me, pick me, <laughs> pick me. I have an answer." Oh, I, right. So I would I, and I and I remember on this one day. I don't remember the exact question, but I remember this. I got it wrong. And I thought mm. this oh. is a spectacular fate. You see? You <laughs> I'm should sure not you. Did be at Harvard. i you have that Harvard? feeling that the ground could only open up Oh, right now. yeah. Like, you should not be at Harvard. I told you this was a mistake. And look, everybody, do you know like in the movies when people have this out-of-body experience and they think, oh, my gosh, all eyes are on me? Yeah it was a lie it was an absolute lie because the reality was the professor moved very quickly mm-hmm. on and asked somebody else who mm-hmm. then got the qu- and then you know he continued and life went on Yeah I went back to my room that afternoon I remember when when classes finished I remember thinking I I do not want to look at anybody. My, you know, I was kind of like downcast. I will not look at anybody. I will not speak to anybody. I'm sure they're all going to tell their friends and people in their groups, <laughs> and and I'm going to be firstly how how arrogant to think that I I mighty I would be the topic of of choice for for everybody else because I got this one question. Probably out. the
1: headlines in the newspaper. You know, like I would yeah. I
0: would make headlines in Boston for goodness sake, right? <laughs> so, and then I got. To my room and I mulled over this and I I beat myself up quite a bit. And then eventually I went, okay, just just breathe. Hmm. What happened here? Why are you here? I came to learn. That's why I was there. That's that's you know the answer that that immediately came to mind. I I believe that I have something to contribute. The reason Harvard puts the groups together, the, you know, the learning groups, the sort of the cohort on the program together is because they want to create a rich experience. And they looked at my application at the experience I shared with them, the many examples I gave about my, my leadership and my management experience, and they deemed me worthy to be part of that collective. I am here because I deserve to be here. So what, Mabato, you made a mistake. You got an, uh, it's called learning. Right. It's called learning. And so it look, it it, it did take a while. I'm not going to lie. Um, nobody ever asked me about it mm-hmm. to say, hey, you know, silly. Remember when you got that question wrong? It really was just a voice in my head. I call it my stupid moment. But to be fair, I should really be reframing it and calling it my moment of it's one of my many moments of reckoning. Mm. This is you, sister. This is you giving, contributing, taking part, and it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect, right? Now, now I know you, you also mentioned that you've had your own unresourceful ways and you already spoke to us about that example, you know, of sitting in that meeting room, uh, feeling like, you know, I have an idea, but maybe I shouldn't say anything about it. But I want to hear more about the unresourceful ways of thinking about speaking up that that have gotten in your way. Can, can you just dig a little bit deeper for us?
1: Yes, yeah, and gosh, I just love hearing your stories, Mbato. And things always just pop for me. Um, I, where you got to, you know, when you sat in your room and you said, "I'm a learner." When in the definition of confidence, which are mindsets, yeah, that's a mindset yeah. that we need for confidence, right? I'm a great learner. Mistakes are normal and natural. Yeah. I learn, you know, all of those things. So you're really speaking to how you came to more resourceful mindsets. Mm-hmm. Um, just such a such a great story. I'm sure many people can latent particularly that imposter syndrome part that really sat with you so so there in my particular uh, groupings of unresourceful ways of thinking and mindsets there were there a whole number of them that got in my way but I'm just gonna I'm gonna shine a spotlight on one of them um, because I think hopefully our listeners will also be able to relate and it's something that I've come to understand that I had that I for many 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 years I, I really didn't have an understanding of and one of the things that got in my way is I thought I needed to be 100% certain mm-hmm. about what I was going to say before I could open my mouth. And that, that actually that's what confidence looked like. Is, And then I came to, you know, that's what had been modeled to me yeah. of when people spoke with, with what I would have called confidence, it was really what they were speaking with was kind of certainty and conviction. Mm. And then even more than that, I came to realize that that this is a learned behavior that speaking up with certainty conviction even when you are not certain is a learned behavior it and, is it absolutely is and i recognized it is it's a way often boys get socialized and i think my first model of this was my dad mm. you know he when he'd speak he was quite a big man you know over like Two meters plus, plus, and he would speak with quite a lot of authority, certainty, and he appeared quite confident to me. So that's the image I got. Oh, okay. Like don't speak up until you can be a hundred percent certain. And how often am I a hundred percent certain? Yeah. Like the times are rarer than they are than they are common. So yeah. So I learned, oh, this is just the way some people have been socialized. Mostly boys have yes. been socialized to to just speak as if they're 100% certain before they are, right? That's all it is. It's a learned way. It's a socialized way. So... And and I really this like a penny dropped for me when a very good friend of mine, um, she used to witness her husband. And I will say he's a lovely, lovely guy. He is kind and generous. But she would witness him expound on topics. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd be having all dinner together and expound on topics that she knew for a fact he was not an <laughs> expert in. He was not versed in. But he would speak with just this authority, this certainty. That's bold, right? It's bold. And I think it's common amongst a, l- a lot of the way boys and men have been conditioned.
0: Yeah, it, you, it, it absolutely is common. I'm loving because I live with three <laughs> men. And, and I have had, I told you recently, you know, an example, and I won't go into it here, of me actually having, for, for the first time in a, in, in a while, having to put my foot down and go, no, you do not know that. And no, I actually said that, right? So can you imagine? I'm outnumbered, totally in, in, outnumbered. in my yeah, household, really, right? Yeah. yeah, You you really don't have a hope in hell there. <laughs> So
1: so my friend who would watch she gave this um phenomenon a name and it stuck with me ever since she said it she calls it male answer syndrome. <laughs> like that. And no disrespect to men it's just a way of being conditioned and I'm not making it wrong or or, or bad.
0: No judgment but it's, it's right? No it judgment. is what it, it is. is.
1: It's a way of of maintaining authority of maintaining hierarchy and all those things so for us as women it that's number one it's not the way we've been socialized mm. or conditioned so for us to only speak up when we're 100% certain or to speak up when we're not 100% certain but to speak as if we are yes. isn't the way we've been socialized conditioned yeah. and it's going to feel inauthentic yeah. And so, in no way am I am I suggesting that that's what we as women do. I don't think that is the way forward to adopt that particular strategy.
0: Um, but, but the key word for me, Caroline, is conditioning. Yeah, we're not born that way. It's not innate in us, right? Yeah, it is a socialization, and socialization can be turned around. I, I often say, and, I've, and I know on our podcasts I've said this over and over, what has been constructed can be deconstructed and then reconstructed right. into something else. Right,
1: right. Yeah. And what I would just advocate for is the way we're going to reconstruct is not to do it the way men, have, boys have been socialized and conditioned. I think there's another way that where we both can come off sounding um, sounding confident and authentic at the same time. So, So that we're not doing that thing of fake it till we make it. I really don't believe that's the way forward. So... What, I know you had a professor who can, uh, who said something to you who can really lend, um, I think a valuable insight into this conversation.
0: Yes, so back to Harvard Business School, and it is, I think the last class probably with this one particular uh, professor who who taught us, um, I think he used to teach marketing and strategy and and he was just brilliant, right? He was just one of my favorites. And on the last day, he says this to us. Um, so, firstly, let me say this: the program that I was on was part of Harvard uh, Business School's executive education um, arm or division, wh- whatever you you want to call it. But he also taught MBAs, and MBAs typically at Harvard are much younger, so they're not necessarily, you know, they don't necessarily have the same experience as the group of people that I was with, certainly with with the cohort. But he said this, and he said for him right across sort of the different levels and programs that he works on, he has observed over the many years that he'd been teaching that the smartest people in the room are not the ones who have all the answers. The smartest people in the room are the ones who are brave enough to ask questions, no matter what those questions are, right? So you have permission to not know everything. And in fact, this is my stance on it. It is a strength to go, I don't know. And particularly when you're in a leadership position, to admit that you don't have the answers and to not feel less than mm-hmm. for asking questions, mm-hmm. right? And it was, it was affirming. It was such a, and, and not that I was looking for validation, but it did validate me to go, you know what? That stupid moment, that you know, that, that mm. incident I called a stupid moment, that was probably one of my most brilliant moments <laughs> in the entire time that I had been there because I was unafraid to contribute. And the lesson that came out of it for me, that it's okay to not mm. to know. And then to have this incredible um, teacher, researcher, professor, kind of say, that's exactly it. It's okay to ask, oh. was just... I couldn't have left on a higher note, right? I could not have left on a higher note. So what do you suggest? I mean, what do you suggest, Caroline, that we do um, when we need to speak, even if we are not 100% certain and, and that we do so, and here's the clincher for me, that we speak up in a way that still is and feels authentic for us. Right,
1: right, exactly. And, you know, I just so love what that professor shared with you because it really speaks, I think I've said it in a different podcast, in Feminine Power, we talk about, you know, there can be this idea that knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about, and that's kind of in a masculine power system, so that's why I have to know all the answers. That's why I have to speak with uncertainty. But within a feminine power system, not knowing Mm -hmm. is also powerful. It's not knowing but wanting to know having the curiosity, asking yeah. the questions is, and because that
0: expands knowledge for everyone. So, and maybe if I can just yeah. very quickly chip in an extension to that for me is that knowledge is a gift. Mm. When you know it's not about lording it over other people, Is mm. what do I do with this knowledge to share with others and how do I then welcome yeah. the gift of knowledge yeah. that comes from other people, Beautiful. right? Right, again, that power with rather than power over,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. So, so... You know, if boys were socialized, so it, I think this, when we're looking at how do I speak up even when I'm not 100% certain, which I think is the majority of the time. So if boys were are socialized often to uh, speak up with certainty, even when they're not, mm-hmm. and that's that's fine, that's just a strategy, it's a way of, of doing it, mm. we... Uh, Often as girls, we've actually been socialized in a different way. It's to use what are called hedgers mm-hmm. when we speak. So as so, as again, it can be perceived as playing small yeah. and in an effort to play small, I have a different interpretation. But so these hedge, hedgers can be, I'm not sure if I'm right, but this is what I... Or I think, or you probably know better than me, but this is my idea on it. Or sometimes we'll conclude um, what we're said. Does that make sense? Mm. Because then we... Um, So those are all hedgers we can use. Is it a sort of defense mechanism? Well... It's like a protective thing, right? So actually, Deborah Tannen, I really think we need to do a whole episode on this because I find it fascinating. It's actually a, she calls it a linguistic ritual. Uh And women are, and I'm going to generalize here, but if men are conditioned to be hierarchical, Mm -hmm. who's above, who's below, and and communication and language is used to figure out where do I fit in Mm -hmm. this hierarchy of boys that are around me or this men, group of men, that are around me women we use communication rituals to to be relational Mm. so it's not a in the way I understand it is it is a way to be relational I'm not going to put my idea above your idea because I want to hear your idea so this is my idea what's your idea I actually think some of those things are brilliant ways to be inclusive
0: so Um, so hedges are not necessarily bad no
1: no I think yes they often get labeled as bad and it is like finger on a blackboard for me because they're only bad when you view them through a masculine lens of uh-huh. power and leadership mm-hmm. but when we start to understand no it's relational and it's a way of being inclusive
0: of all voices yes that's power right exactly i mean i'm just thinking even the one hedger you mentioned of mm. does that make sense yeah. i use that all the time yeah. when i'm facilitating and i know it's not because i doubt myself in that moment right. I'm 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 constantly looking out is everybody still with me 100 percent. have I explained this in a way that I haven't lost anyone so it's important in my work never to leave anyone behind yeah so when I ask does that make sense it's really about saying are you still with me and if you're not I will go back so that I make sure that we pick you up and we put you on the same page as everybody brilliant
1: brilliantly said do you see that is relational power yeah but it's only when it's heard through the ears of what masculine power looks like, right. it feels diminishing. It feels yes. like we're putting ourselves down, but we're not. That's not why we do it. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, though, workplaces still do, for the most part, have the lenses and ears of a masculine power system. So within that, how do we operate within that environment where we can do kind of the, the best of both and? where? So I just have some suggestions for that. Okay. And that is a very concrete practical suggestion. So state your idea and then follow it by, I'm curious to hear what others think, Mm -hmm. right? So it's, so we get to say our idea and we get to be inclusive or, or we can also say after that, instead of does it make sense, which you and I know in certain contexts is perfectly reasonable and good and has all the positive intentions behind it. But if it's heard through those masculine power ears, then another way to say it is, here's my idea, does anyone have any questions yeah. about my idea? I'm yeah. happy to answer them. So it's a it's a different way of saying the same thing, also being inclusive, also wanting to bring everybody along together.
0: And, and as you're saying that, I think to also be comfortable that if someone does ask a question about my idea that I hadn't thought of, yeah. it's okay to say, I don't know yeah. yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, we could do, we definitely need to do a whole nother podcast on communications rituals. And um, so, and the other just very practical example I wanted to give is, which I know I sometimes use, is I'm going to preface what I'm going to say. Um, where I'm not going to be inauthentic, I'm going to be very authentic. So I don't have this idea perfectly articulated yet, mm-hmm. but I want to put it on the table as part of our discussion. So go. I just preframe like yeah. it's not going to come out beautiful, but it's still a good, it's still an idea that yeah. I want us to to consider. So. So, you know, this may not feel natural to put these things in at first, especially if we're used to using other pre-phrases or Mm post-phrases. But my suggestion is is just to practice using them and in lower stakes environments till they start to become part of your natural way of articulating, way of expressing yourself. So with friends or with family, and eventually it will become a new normal that we can use then in the the workplace. And, you know, a, a thing about confidence is practice. The easiest way to get confident about something is practice. Practice, practice, practice. Practice, practice right? the easiest way to become confident, yeah. that which you don't know. So, yeah. okay. So, and it is a final pitch on this confidence thing. I want to put something out to anyone who's listening, who is a leader or a manager. And to know that people on your team might not have had the opportunity yet to have developed these inner resources Mm. and these mindset shifts, and they might be staying quiet at your table, but you're missing out. So please do make it your business to ask everybody on your team, everyone around the table, invite their ideas in, and then amplify their ideas. If if it's somebody on your team who is not somebody who normally Mm -hmm. um, speaks up really encourage them, acknowledge them for sharing their idea, um, amplify it. I think it is, it's really incumbent upon good leaders and good managers to invite all voices in. So, and I know, I believe you have one last piece as well that you want to bring into this
0: confidence conversation. Yeah, and, and I want to say this before I talk about how Confidence shows up for me. Um, I, I want to stay very quickly with something that you said. That you know, you you can sort of um, contextualize what you need to say by really just saying to to the people around you. I don't have this idea perfectly mm. um, articulated yet, and I thought you and I have been living that
1: mm. because
0: if you go back to episode one where we introduced this work and while we're doing it, I remember one of the things we said was we are learning, we are experimenting. We're doing something that's new for both of us. Um, You know, this is not going to be perfect. In fact, it may be messy in places. And I think we have grown in our confidence, episode to episode to episode. We have definitely, I certainly feel it. I see it in you. I hear it in your voice the more we do Mm. this. But we invited our audience to say, you know what? It may not be um, what you're used to doing, you know, these very amazing professional podcast and it wasn't self-doubt it was really you and me saying as a collective we're we're having fun with this and we want our audience our newfound community to be with us on this journey even though even though we don't have all the right answers right and and that leads directly into this for me confidence for me is a collective effort Um, if I can't speak up at a given time I look around and say, who is there to speak up on my behalf? Um, And I hope that in the spaces where I move, when I do see especially another woman uh, struggling somewhat, that I will be, as we said in the last episode, that person who straightens her her crown, Mm -hmm. right? Ever so subtly and gently, but just to let her know she's got this, you know, she can do it. The group mentorship program I spoke about was exactly that for me. I didn't think of it in that way in the beginning, but I realized in hindsight, that was me really trying to say to these young black colleagues of mine, you've got this, Mm -hmm. right? It was a collective effort. Um, This partnership and perhaps what, what what our audience doesn't necessarily know is that we haven't just been, been doing these podcasts together. We have dived into other work. You know, earlier this yeah. year, you invited me to do a piece of work with you. Soon we'll be doing more work together. Mm-hmm. And it's just grown from one thing to the next. And I know that for some of the work we've been doing, I could not have done it alone. Yeah. And I know you've expressed the same sentiment. Mm-hmm. So this, you and me, what we're doing here, is confidence showing up as a collective effort? So that, that's just been incredible for me, and what a beautiful way! What a beautiful way to end our yeah. series, right? Yeah. Whew. yeah. Whew. So we've been yeah. talking you and me, Caroline, about um, what the future may hold. Um, I I know this for sure. You know this for sure. We want to continue. Whether the podcasts look exactly the same as what we've done over this this eight week series or not, for us at this point is not the point. But we know we know the power of this work. Um, we've heard from people who you know who've been generous enough with their feedback that it's starting to make a difference in the lives of the women that we hoped to to reach. Mm-hmm. And so there's no doubt that we will continue in some shape, form, or other these conversations, because they need to happen. We need to continue. And and I, I know you feel the same way that some of them, even our previous conversation in, in episode seven around empowerment, we need to to peel off the many layers mm-hmm. and the complexities. So in a nutshell, uh, the show continues. How exactly, we haven't quite pinned that down, but know that the show continues. And I'm just saying to to our community, you know, um, kind of hold space for oh. us, right? As we think and reimagine and recreate and and do all sorts of new, crazy, yeah. wonderful things that we will continue on this journey and this work. Of course, help us spread the word by sharing the episodes that we have uh, put together that you have listened to. I bet you know someone who needs to listen to some of, of these conversations. So please do share. Um, I cannot express enough uh, our gratitude to and and we mention them every week but it's deliberate because you and I could not have done this without Dale, without Sean Mm. um, as our producers at Uncut Media and the beautiful Quinns who has been just a a, a wonderful creative in this process Mm. of us putting this together and yeah as always, sure that bittersweetness is coming yeah. back, right? But as always, we we want to leave our audience with something special. And um, before I break down, I'm going to ask you, Caroline, to do this part. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Mabatu. What a what a pilot journey we've been on. Um, and thanks, as you said, to Dale and to Sean and to Quince. Yeah. But, uh, confidence for women is a team sport, mm. you are my relay partner. Yes. Yeah. Um, so in this, yeah. So what we want to take you out on is a pledge, and this was developed. I've spoken about her any number of times, Dr. Claire Zamet. Uh, she is the founder of Feminine Power, and she developed this pledge, um, which I just inspires me and gives me chills every time I read it. I've slightly... Sl- ever so slightly modified it for a work context. Mm -hmm. So here we go. So I commit to create a work environment that includes, supports, empowers, and celebrates women. Mm -hmm. I will go out of my way to support other women. When I see a woman stepping up, I will stand behind her. When she stumbles, I will be there to help her up. And when she succeeds, I will celebrate her wildly.
0: Yes, yes, Mm. yes, and yes. Mm. Sisters, friends, our beloved community, let's thrive together, and we will see you when we see you. Yes.